turn in your New Testaments to Acts 1-1. Acts 1-1. If you're visiting, you have walked in on the last sermon in a series called To Easter and Beyond. We started with the run-up to uh, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and then we've been looking at the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus Christ to people, what he said, what happened when people encountered him after his resurrection. And our text today is important because it is the final post-resurrection appearance of Jesus. But it's not only important for being the last one, it's important because of what happened right after Jesus finished talking that last time face-to-face with his followers. He ascended into heaven. Acts 1.1 In my former book, O Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering... He showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water... But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. You know, you think about what's going on in the world, you think about what's happening in the Middle East, you think about what's happening here in our own country, with the economy, with all kinds of things. And sometimes you just kind of get the feeling that things are out of control. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like things are out of control in your own life? Maybe you've made some bad choices and things, one domino's led to another and it's now just kind of springing and, oh, it's out of control. Maybe someone's done something to you and it's, it's beyond anything that you did. It's just happening. Maybe it's people in your life that you love and, and you just look and you're so concerned and, and it just feels like things are out of control. I'll tell you, the good news is someone's in control. <laughs> it may look like chaos, but that's how in control he is. 
that people will make their choices, that all the dominoes will hit each other. God's not the author of sin. God is not causing people to make these choices. He's not negating any secondary causes, meaning all the things that are hitting. And yet, as all this is happening, there's not one stray electron in the entire universe because God is in control and He loves His people. That's a comfort this morning. And our passage today does this for us as we kind of look around and say, what is going on? It just lifts our eyes to a greater reality and tunes our heart to what is real and what can be in our perspective and in our lives. King David was, they think, 17 years old when he was anointed king by Samuel in Israel. Now, there was a problem when he was anointed. You may remember this. There happened to be another king sitting on the throne in Israel, the first king of Israel. His name was Saul. And from age 17 to age 30, King David, the one that God had chosen, the one that God had placed as the king, and Saul no longer was the king, King David had to run for his life from Saul. It was exhausting. And then when David was 30 years old in Hebron, he was actually inaugurated as the king after Saul's death in Israel. But there was no rest for King David because King David had to, had to marshal the armies of Israel and, and in the midst of all the tumult and all the stuff going on with Saul, the Philistines were just right at the throats of Israel and, and David in the power of God and in the leadership of God with the armies of Israel smashed the Philistines and the Jebusites and, and, and pushed back the borders of Israel. In fact, it was the Jebusite stronghold that, that David took over that became the turning point in his life and the turning point for the kingdom of Israel. The Jebusites had a city that David conquered called Jerusalem. And I'll tell you that when that battle was completed and those other battles were completed, and there would be battles ahead, but the day that David came into Jerusalem and finally ascended his throne and sat on his throne in Jerusalem, inaugurated a time of domination and peace and the power of God in that kingdom. In our text, there's a similar storyline. But this time, it's not David. It's Jesus, the son of David. Jesus, the son of David, the one, quote, greater than David. Jesus, the one who was set apart at his baptism to be a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, beginning his public ministry at the same age that David was also made king in Hebron. Jesus, who defeated much greater enemies than David. Jesus who obliterated the sin that keeps us from God, obliterated death forever. The first part of this text summarizes what we've been looking at over the last six weeks. 
in all these post-resurrection appearances of Jesus, we read in verse 3, After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And we read in 1 Corinthians to over 500 people at one time, in fact. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God and then he powered, he promised the power to fulfill and bring in the kingdom of God through the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 9, after these three years of a battle, after, after the great victory on the cross, that final victory, after that great and final victory in the resurrection, in verse 9, it, it is now time for liftoff. Verse 9, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. You know, it's interesting that this particular Sunday, we Presbyterians don't tend to be the most liturgical bunch of people in the sense of the church calendar in the whole world, but this particular Sunday is Ascension Sunday, Thursday of this week is Ascension Day. And what I'd like to do this morning is I would like to give you four reasons why the ascension of Jesus makes a difference in our lives. Four reasons why this is critical. And you know, we don't really look at the ascension of Jesus very often. But this is so important. The first is, is that the ascension of Jesus shows us his glory. It shows us his glory. You know, when, when, when Jesus finally left his apostles, he could have just disappeared, right? He could have just, poof, you know, I'm about to go to heaven. Y'all do know where heaven is, don't you? It's up, right? No, we don't know that it's up. I mean... You know, it's up or down in, in kind of a, a, a sense. But no, heaven isn't up like in the solar system and in outer space. And Jesus didn't rise into outer space. Heaven is the domain of God in a separate realm of the domain of earth. And in Jesus, the domain of God through his coming here connected with the domain of earth. And in the ascension, Jesus is going back to this other domain. And what we're going to find out is he's going to take us with him back to that other domain. And uh, he could have just disappeared. But why, why did he just slowly rise to heaven? And we know that because it says they were still looking at him while he was going are the words in the text. So Jesus is slowly rising to heaven. Why was that? Well, the answer is that he wanted them to see his glory. And this is the Father who so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son. And the Father who has given glory to Jesus in the resurrection is now receiving back very slowly. As Jesus has come down, now Jesus is returning to the glory of the Father to the glory that He enjoyed throughout all eternity before He came down here to be one of us. And it says in the text that not only did He rise that sense of, of glory, that sense of being lofty and exalted, but it says that a, a cloud hid Him from their sight. 
uh, it's not that there just happened to be cumulus clouds in the atmosphere that day. This is, this is biblical language about what is called the Shekinah glory of God. Do you remember in Luke chapter 9 when Jesus and his inner circle went up on what's called the Mount of Transfiguration? That a cloud suddenly came down over Jesus, James, and John and enveloped them. You know, Moses and Elijah were with them. Jesus was transformed, transfigured into white. That cloud was the sense of the glory of God. This is my son. Listen to him, is the voice from heaven. The cloud means glory. This is the same cloud that rushed down into the tabernacle when the tabernacle was filled with the presence and glory of God and the temple under Solomon as well. And so, this glory cloud suddenly cloaks him from view. In other words, he's not, he's not going up into the solar system. It is the glory cloud. They see the glory, and Jesus disappears. And they are just awestruck by the glory of Jesus. You know, when I was young, we, uh, we're one of those families. There's two types of families on vacation. There are the people that read all the plaques and the people that don't on the side of the road, the historical plaques. We're the read all the plaques people. And so we'd stop, and, 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 and I'm sure my daughters re regret the fact that I picked up the read all the plaques uh, gene and uh, all the, the historic markers gene. You know, I, I want to know what went on right here. I want to know what Indian attacked somebody right here or what civil war battle happened right here and who was involved. I want to know how far Florida actually extended up here. I'm from Florida, by the way. and it, We used to own you people in Mississippi. I learned that on the Natchez Trace. Not too long ago, one of those, one of those things. Y'all go see. It, Texas, you thought Texas owned everything. No, it's Floridians. That was for you, Brad. Brad's a Texan. He's just unbearable. <laughs> but the other thing that we didn't do, because we were cheap, I think, is we go to these scenic overlooks, and there there be these huge, big on the stand binoculars that you had to put a quarter in, I guess, to see something. And, uh, and these binoculars, very often, sometimes you could look through them like this, but often they were fixed on the thing that you were supposed to see. Let me tell you something about the ascension of Jesus and the glory. The ascension of Jesus is like one of those huge binoculars that, that's free. And, and in this text, we're stepping up behind that binocular and we're saying, we're, we're sighting in, we're saying, wow. Jesus is glorious. Look, he is lofty and exalted. And we can just see this playing. Look, the glory, the Shekinah glory of God. There's actually two things that this set of big binoculars in the book of Acts is trained on. One is, is the glory of Jesus. And the second is the second thing I want to share with you. And that is, through the ascension, you can see, if you look real carefully, you can see Jesus sitting down on a throne. Because he is the glorious one. He is the son of God with all authority and all power in heaven and earth. And the second thing is that the ascension means that Jesus has ascended to his throne and he has sat down. Hebrews 1.3, after he had provided purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand 
of the majesty in heaven where he reigns. Sitting in the Bible is the posture of authority. See, when you stand, and really, if I was like really biblical preaching, I'd be sitting right now, like Jesus did when he read and he taught, he sat, because it's like the word of God has authority. See, when you're standing, you're having to fight the Philistines. When you're standing, you're having to do all this. When you're on your throne sitting, you rule. You know, you have the right to rule. And, and so Jesus, it says, after he provided purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Psalm 110.1 is just one of those psalms that you read over and over in the New Testament. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies the footstool of my feet. This is a messianic or a Jesus psalm, a psalm about Jesus, where he would ascend, he would be seated at the right hand, and he would rule and he would conquer because he is the king. And Jesus has control over all. Remember, it feels like it's out of control. There's somebody in control. His name is Jesus. Look through the binoculars. See he's lofty and exalted. See that he is sitting in power on the throne. And what is really important is this. It's so great. Remember now how it feels with all this stuff breaking loose in the world, in your life and other people's lives. The one sitting on the throne personally, completely, thoroughly loves me and promises my best interest and his glory. And he loves his bride, his church, and, and promises the conquest of, of his church, the conquest of love and grace in this world. So look, there is somebody in control. We can see it through the binoculars. That's what the ascension is about. And if the one in control loves you that much, what does that do to your sense about what's going on in this life? Okay. It's going to finally, it's going to be okay. I want you to know in your life, if you know Jesus, it's going to be okay. Now, I don't know how you define okay. <laughs> I can't take responsibility for the way you define okay, but I'm going to tell you, when it, when it comes to your best in God's glory, if that's what okay means, it's going to be okay. Because Jesus not only ascended, but he was seated at the right hand and he reigns. Hebrews 11.25 says that Jesus not only reigns at the right hand, you know what he's doing right now? You know how much he loves you? He's interceding for you. He's praying for you. Isn't that amazing? Right now. His ministry is to, is to pray as an intercessor between us and the Father. And he is pleading, in a sense, in prayer for us to the Father's. Hebrew, Father, Hebrew 11, Hebrews 11.25 says, Therefore, because of this, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him because he always lives and makes intercession for them. And it is because of, of the, the, what he has done for us and that we have drawn near. If you've put your trust in what Jesus has done in the cross and in the empty tomb, we have come into a relationship with him that we now find that the one who loves us, the one we love, is the king, even though we live in a fallen world. And right now, he is interceding for us and praying for us. So the ascension shows the glory of Jesus. 
The ascension means that Jesus has sat down and he reigns on a throne, and it's going to be okay. But thirdly, the ascension means that he gives power from that throne for us to live. And we go back to our text in the book of Acts. They ask the question in verses 6 and 7, and 7, will you now restore the kingdom to Israel? When is the great and terrible day of God going to be? The day of the Lord. When, when is going to be this overwhelming vanquishing of Romans, of enemies, of everybody else? When is going to be the completed final action in one stroke that will establish the throne of David forever? We don't know when that's going to be. Contrary to certain people who thought it was yesterday. In fact, it says right here, if you read it, that those things aren't for us to know. And it says also that the day and hour cannot be known. So please don't, let's just, let's just all learn and grow through this. Don't ever get worried about one of these things again. Let me tell you when Jesus is going to come back. He's going to come back when he wants to. And we're not going to know when it is. Now, it would have been pretty cool if he'd come back yesterday, right? I checked the news one time just to make sure there weren't earthquakes all over the place. But I didn't check the news. I mean, you know, I thought, you know, maybe he doesn't know what he's talking about, but Jesus could come back today, even though Harold Camping doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, or maybe that proves he knew what he was talking I don't know, I don't know. But anyway, you, you get my point on that. Come, Lord Jesus. But they ask him, when are you going to do this? And, and, and he says, the time, th th this is not for you to know. And then in verse 8, Jesus said this, but here's what you will receive. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, all Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And if you go back to the very first part of our text, this is where he told them, go and tarry in Jerusalem. Stay. And the, that, that which was promised by my Father will come down upon you, that which I have spoken about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and that is coming. So when is this going to happen? You will receive power. The Spirit will come upon you. You see, Christ is seated on the throne. That fact's not going to change. Jesus has won over the two greatest enemies we've ever had, sin and death. Jesus is now reigning and ruling as the kingdom of God, meaning the rule of God is coming forth. I'm going to tell you something. There's no possibility King Jesus ain't going to win. This whole deal is an insurgency now. You know what I mean? Like we went into Iraq and we won that war in like four hours or something, you know, really a few days and then we had to deal with an insurgency. It's not like we didn't win the war. We didn't unwin the war there. But there's an insurgency. And sometimes you can unwin it, I guess, with an insurgency. But not this one. And, and, and he's going to give the power for his kingdom to come. Michael Morrison says, Jesus' ascension into heaven was like a dramatic drum roll. Don't you love this? Just what's going to happen? A dramatic drum roll, a moment of suspense as the disciples waited for the next stage of the next stage rocket to ignite and blast them into greater 
and greater service. And this gets at our purpose for living. And this gets at the joy of not just knowing Jesus and knowing that our sins are forgiven, that we're going to heaven, but knowing that we get to live with him and we get to love in his name. His kingdom conquers through truth and grace and love. And that's where the joy is. You will receive power. This kingdom off of this throne, you know, the throne's the center of a kingdom, is going to win. And you're going to be the people who win it. And it's going to be my power through you that is going to win it. So the ascension shows us the glory of Jesus, lofty and exalted. It shows us that Jesus has seated, that he now reigns. Thirdly, it shows us that he gives out of his place of power, power for his people to live and to accomplish his holy will on earth. I'm excited about that. When I came to know Christ, it wasn't just like, great, I'm forgiven, now I can do whatever I want to. When I came to know Christ, it's great, my whole life is different. My whole trajectory is now different. My whole reason for living is different. I think I told you all before, one of the first things I started doing was telling people about Jesus. And that was a little bit unfortunate, because as my friend says, a new Christian plus a burden for witnessing equals brutality. It's like, man, this is what I'm about. You know, I tell my cousin, you, we're not leaving this room till you know Jesus. <laughs> now, I backed off that a little bit. But you know, there's that, he won in my life. He defeated death in my life. Not, he's going to win in yours. He's going to win in yours and yours. This thing's going. This is great. I want to be a part of this. And that's because of the ascension and the sitting and the giving of power. Finally, the ascension tells us that Jesus is going to return and wrap it all up and how Jesus is going to return. Verse 9, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight. I mean, just look, look, look at this language. This is so great. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly, two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has ascended, who has been taken from you into heaven... This same Jesus will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Meaning this, when he returns, he will return bodily. It's not this spiritual return of Jesus. Jesus has already come back. No, Jesus has not already come back. And I'll tell you why. Because this same Jesus will come back the same way he went. And you will see him. And when he takes us to be with him, what Jesus has done in the ascension is he's what's called our forerunner. He has gone ahead of us and proved that human beings in bodies, resurrected bodies, are going to be in heaven. And he has been that forerunner. And he's coming back and he's going to take us to to be where he has been in his resurrected body. And we're going to have those bodies as well. Don't you love that song, Lord, haste the day 
when the faith shall be sight, the, the clouds be rolled back like a scroll, the trump shall resound, the Lord shall descend. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. I can't read this text without getting excited. Because this is about the ascension, the sitting and the power, the kingdom coming, and the, finally the time and the moment when the, when the words of those two angels in white will be fulfilled. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. For the Lord himself bodily the lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel what does that sound like with a loud command from heaven the voice of the archangel listen to this with the trumpet call of god think anybody's going to be taken unawares by the bodily return of King Jesus? I don't think so. The loud command, the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet call of God. And then we read on, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, listen to this, we who are still alive and left on earth will be caught up together with them, with the dead who've risen first, we'll be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, we will be with the Lord forever. You think the ascension's important? It is kind of the ratification of the crucifixion and resurrection that, yes, this is the son of David. This is the one who has all authority in heaven and earth. And he is lofty and exalted. And he is seated on the throne of majesty at the right hand. And he loves and he prays. He gives power to do what he has called us to do. And he will return. And when we see him and when we hear the sound we will be caught up with him and meet him in the air and be with him. What a great day that will be. Whatever you're going through today, Jesus has ascended. He reigns. He reigns. Whatever you're struggling with, take courage this morning because he reigns. See his glory. Get a a reshaping of your perspective about what you are calling reality. I know that it is as real as this table but there, or this desk, but, but there is a greater reality, you see, that is greater than what you see. Whatever discouragement you feel about opposition to the kingdom of God, whether it be in the Middle East, whether it be in North Korea, whether it be in your own life, Hear me, the ascended Christ reigns and gives all power and he will not be stopped. The ascension of Jesus says this to us today. He's won and he will win. And he will win in history through his church and he will win when he comes again in glory and rights every wrong 
and takes his people to be with him forever. So I close from, you, you getting excited about the ascension here? I close from the Apostles' Creed that we began worship with today. Maybe you can say it with me. It starts with, he ascended into heaven. If you know it, if you don't know it, that's okay. Let's say it real slowly. He ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Praise the ascended, reigning, soon returning Lord.